the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. say to us, if you're going through something terrible, and if you're suffering through something, limit your isolation. Job allowed his friends into his life, and he allowed some people to come and to carry the burden that he was experiencing. Now, we've talked about his friends before in our previous study, and in fact, they get rebuked here in the last chapter. We just read them a moment ago where God calls them out and says, you guys didn't represent me well to Job, and some of the things you said were not accurate at all. Why don't you offer some burnt offerings and ask Job to pray for you? This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Job. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching series through the book of Job, he'll be encouraging us to stay connected to the body of Christ, no matter what is going on in our life. People tend to isolate when they fall into sin or when they are suffering in one way or the other. In our text today, we'll see how Job's friends didn't necessarily say all the right things to him but they eventually remained silent and just sat with him. Sometimes the best thing we can do when someone is suffering is to just spend time with them and remain silent. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Job chapter 39 for today's message titled, My Life and Suffering. In my right hand, I'm holding an egg, and in my left hand, I'm holding a potato. And what is interesting about these two things, uh, if you were to plunge them both into the same pot of boiling water, the same boiling water would have opposite effects upon these two objects. The egg would become harder and the potato would become softer. The same boiling water would produce different results in these two different objects. And the more intense the boiling water became, the harder the egg would become and the softer the potato would become. And I bring this up because the reality is that difficulties and trials and tribulations in our lives will produce similar results in that you can face the same adversity as someone else and yet have an opposite reaction. For some people, their adversity, their trial, their difficulty, uh, when the heat is turned up, if you will, will make them hardened in life. They will become sometimes cynical, calloused. Uh, They will become indifferent about things and even turn away from God. 
While at the same time, what's interesting is others who face the same adversity will be more like a potato. They become softer. They become more tender. They become more humble. They actually turn towards God instead of getting hardened about life and about God. Why is that? Well, some might say it's because of the way that we're wired. And because everybody's wired differently, we all face adversity differently. And that is, there's some truth to that, no doubt. But I think that the way that we actually end up in terms of our response to adversity has more to do with perspective and less to do with personality. There is a choice that we need to make when those difficult days come. How will we respond? Some will become bitter and hardened about life and about God, and others will become softer and more tender about life and about God. Now, assuming that you believe, as I do, that it is better to be softened by suffering than hardened by suffering, we can learn a lot from Job, because he was a man who became softened by suffering. He became broken. He became more humble. He became someone who turned towards God. He didn't get angry with God. Yes, he had his questions about why he was suffering. That's normal. That's pretty natural. And we don't understand what is happening in our lives. But he was otherwise a man who was tender towards God and tender about the things of life. And oh, that God would make us more like a potato than like an egg. That we would become still softened about life instead of hardened about life. And so we have some things to learn from Job. And if Job were sitting right here today on this stool, what is it that he would say to us? What is some counsel that Job would give us about suffering? I'm no expert on it, but Job certainly is. And as we look at this story, some of what I'm going to say is a summary of stuff we've already talked about. And some is new information, but all of it is Job's story. And so as if he's speaking to us from the pages of his own story, here are some of the things, three things I think he would say to give us the right perspective in facing our own adversity in life. The first thing that I think that he would say, as we've seen in this story, is that we need to limit your isolation. I think he'd say to us, if you're going through something terrible, and if you're suffering through something, limit your isolation. Job allowed his friends into his life, and he allowed some people to come and to carry the burden that he was experiencing. Now, we've talked about his friends before in our previous study, and in fact, they get rebuked here in the last chapter. We just read them a moment ago where God calls them out and says, you guys didn't represent me well to Job, and some of the things you said were not accurate at all. Why don't you offer some burnt offerings and ask Job to pray for you? God's upset with them because they didn't do well in terms of the things that they said. But before they opened their mouth, they did do one thing right. The Bible tells us that they came to Job and they sat with him for seven days and seven nights and they didn't say a word. Again, it is that Hebrew term, sitting Shiva, sitting seven literally is what that translates. They just sat there and they ministered to Job by blessing him with their silence and their presence. And Job allowed it, okay? We have got to be careful about getting isolated in our pain. I understand that some people need to deal with things privately. And some people need to go through hardships alone. That there's a time and a place to say, I just need to be alone. And we need to respect that among other people if that's the way they deal with things. But to those of you who deal with life and adversity in that way, where you just really want to be alone, my caution to you is don't stay alone for too long. Because we need each other. And sometimes we don't understand how much we need each other when we're in the midst of going through something painful. Don't shut other people out. The Lord wired us in a way that we need fellowship and we need friendship. And sure, your circle might be 
small for those that you allow into your season of suffering. But don't shut everybody out. Job made allowances. He opened up his life to some of his best friends. said, okay, come share this with me. And for the first seven days, they just graced him with their presence and their silence. They just wanted to be there with him so he didn't have to go through his suffering alone. And that is important. It's important that we are friends like that. It's important that we allow people to come into our lives. Because isolation can breed desperation. If you stay isolated too long, you will become more and more desperate. And so limit your isolation is what Job would tell us through the pages of his story here. I got an email last week from a friend of mine who, who lost his wife after 56 years of marriage. Last summer, she went to be with the Lord, and he emailed some folks this week, and I was on the list, and he said this. He said, quote, On an almost daily basis, I had to force myself to go on. There were a number of times when I asked God to please call me home. I felt as if I, too, had stopped living in June of 2015 when his wife died. I suppose I should have been more active in seeking out help and counsel. And in retrospect, that is what I wish I had done, end quote. And so even from his own painful experience, he admits, you know, I got too isolated. And I shut some people out, and I, I should have been more open to allowing people to come into my life and to share this burden with me. But what he's saying here is a reality. Sometimes you might have to force yourself to go on. Sometimes you might have to force yourself to get out of bed. Sometimes you might have to force yourself to open up to other people and invite them into your suffering so they can share in it. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is the law of love. So what Paul was saying there in Galatians 6 is, when we carry each other's burdens, we are demonstrating the love of Christ. So that's important that we do that. And it's important if we are the ones suffering, that we allow people to demonstrate the love of Christ in our lives by not shutting everybody out. I know, I know, it's easier, isn't it, sometimes, to just be alone rather than deal with the endless questions and sometimes people mean well, but when they constantly are asking, well, how are you doing? Everybody means well when they ask that. But when you have to hear that hundreds of times, it gets to the place where you just want to even inside say to yourself, how do you think I'm doing? You know, but you don't. You bite your lip and you say things like, I'm taking one day at a time. And you say things like, God is helping me. Because to do otherwise, to say nothing and just isolate yourself is detrimental to us physically and spiritually and emotionally. So if Job were sitting here, I think he'd say, you know what? Yeah, my friend said some pretty insensitive things, but they graced me with their presence. And we can't cut ourselves off from people. We still have to press on, and we still have to open up our hearts and our lives to people who care about us. Limit your isolation. Secondly, I think that he would say to us here, learn your limitation. Now, some of this we covered last week, but here's the truth. That when Job questioned God about his suffering, why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? God did not answer that question per se, not directly. What God did, if you remember from last week's study, is he expressed the vastness of the universe. And then he also drew a Job's attention to two wonderful, magnificent, but now extinct creatures, the behemoth and the leviathan. And in effect, God was saying, Job, the vastness and complexity of the universe is something that you can't understand, not all of it. And you have to accept that. And likewise, the behemoth and the Leviathan are these wonderful creatures that cannot be tamed. And sometimes things in life are, are not controllable. And that's the two main takeaway from this idea about learn your limitation. That sometimes things are not understandable and sometimes things are not controllable. And we have to rest in that. 
Too many people torture themselves wanting to know the whys of everything. And the truth is sometimes there are no answers because life at times doesn't make sense. And we have to stop torturing ourselves wanting to know why did this happen? Some things are just not understandable. You know, Paul, when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13, one of the things he said is, he says, now I know in part, like here on earth. He says, but then when I'm with the Lord in heaven, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. So he says, there's going to be one day when I will understand things better. But for now, some things will remain a mystery. And I just have to accept that some things won't make sense. And also, some things are not within my control. Accidents happen. Tragic things occur. And some things are just not within our control. And again, we have to stop torturing ourselves, rehearsing it in our heads, thinking, well, if I had just been there at this time, I could have prevented this. And if, if that had just happened, if I hadn't been late to that appointment, then this twist of events wouldn't have... And we have to stop that because, because you're only harming yourself. Some things we just have to recognize. This is what the Bible's trying to encourage us and counsel us with. It's okay to just say some things don't make sense. I don't understand. And it's okay to say some things are beyond my control, and this happened, it was an accident, or it was an unfortunate thing, but it was beyond my control, and, and rest in that. And that's what Job did here. In fact, if you're still there in chapter 42 of Job, if you still have your Bibles open, look at how he gets to this place of finally accepting it, Job 42, look at verses 2 and 3. Job, when he's, when he's replying to the Lord, he says there in Job 42, verse 2, he says, I know that you, Lord, can do all things. Notice, that's a statement of God's omnipotence. You, Lord, can do all things. And then he adds, no plan of yours can be thwarted. That's acknowledging the sovereignty of God. And then he goes on, he says, you asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? And Job says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Now, wonderful in the sense of not enjoyable, but wonderful in the sense of so complex, so, so beyond my ability to understand it. And, and Job, Job rests in that. He said, I spoke of things I didn't understand. Some things are just too complex for me to know. And he rests in that. The third thing, the last thing that we see about Job, and this is you know, some of the newer stuff of our study this morning, not, not, not really review, which is to look for the Savior in your suffering. Now, there's an incredible thing that Job does here. And again, remember, this is the oldest book of the Bible. Job predates Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, he's at least then 2,000 years before Christ is even revealed on earth. And yet, there are three different times, and I'm going to show you the passages through the book of Job, where Job looks to a Savior in his suffering. And he basically is going to say this. In going through what I'm going through, I just have to cling to a Savior that I know is in heaven, has not yet been revealed, and I'm going to trust the Lord in the middle of all that I'm going through. And so go back to Job chapter 9. I'm going to show you the first time that he, that he wishes and hopes for a Savior. And by the way, as you're turning there, please keep this in mind that Job's wish, it's chapter 9, Job's wish is our reality. Job was wishing and longing for his Savior to be revealed. We are now 2,000 years this side of the cross. We have the reality of Jesus. So as we read through these passages, you're going to see that what he was hoping for and crying out for is all fulfilled in Christ, and we have that with the Lord now. So we are at a greater advantage than Job was because we have the ability to, to cling to Jesus in ways that he was only by faith hoping in. 
Look here in Job chapter 9, verse 33 to 35. Job says this, If only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. What does he ask for? He says, oh, if there were only someone who could arbitrate between me and God. He says, because I, I, I sense that God is doing something or he's allowed something in my life. I'm going through this difficulty. I don't understand it. And I wish that there was someone. Who, who could be an arbiter, who could stand between the two of us, one hand on my shoulder, one hand on the shoulder of God, if you will, someone who could bridge that gap. And the truth is, again, this has been fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the arbiter of our faith. In, in, in 1 Timothy 2, 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. And Job was longing for someone. I, I wish that there was a middleman here between my suffering and a holy God. I wish that there was a mediator, someone to arbitrate. And the truth is we have that now with Christ. We have one who stands in the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity. And as if one hand on our shoulders and one hand on the shoulder of God to bridge that great chasm, we have that in Christ. Go to chapter 16. Let's see what he also longed for in a Savior. In chapter 16 of Job... Look at verses 19 through 21. Job 16, verse 19 says, Even now, my witness is in heaven. Okay, notice, by faith, he's pointing to heaven. He said, I, I got a witness in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God, on behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. By the way, some people sometimes will say to me, you know, why do you still preach out of the Old Testament? You know, the New Testament is where Jesus is revealed. Hey, Jesus is revealed all through the Bible. And this is a beautiful uh, example right here where, where Job, by faith, is like, I got a witness in heaven. See, Christ has not yet been revealed on earth, but Job, by faith, knows this. He goes, I got a Savior in heaven. I'm going to cling to this Savior because he is what? He's my advocate on high, is what verse 19 says. He's my intercessor, is what verse 20 says, and he's my friend. And as I pour out my tears to God because of his suffering, he says, there is one who pleads with God on my behalf. And again, these things are fulfilled in Jesus for us. In the margin of your Bible, you can just jot down 1 John 2, 1. 1 John 2, 1 says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. All right, NIV adds one who speaks to the Father in our defense. An advocate is a legal term. It's a defense attorney. That Jesus is actually speaking on our defense because of our sin or our suffering. Jesus is then speaking to the Father because he's seated at the right hand of God on our behalf. He is our advocate. And he's also, notice, the other word Job uses here is my intercessor. You can mark this, this verse down as well. Romans 8, 34. In Romans 8, 34, it says, Christ Jesus who died... More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but make it personal. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for all of us. He's at the right hand of God. And when we feel like we have no other thing to say because our hearts are so full with pain and we can't express ourselves, it's okay. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is our intercessor. 
He's the one who stands in the gap as our arbiter, our advocate, our intercessor. And he's also, the other word that Job uses here, he's also our friend. In John 15, 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus calls us his friends because he says, If you obey what I command, you are my friends. No one dies for an enemy. He died for his friends. Jesus is all these things for us. Our arbiter, our advocate, our intercessor, our friend. One more passage to look at. Go to Job chapter 19. This is also a remarkable statement that Job makes here. Again, by faith in Jesus as a Savior. In Job 19 verse 25, he says this. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Notice this. What a wonderful statement of faith. This is, again, 2,000 years before the cross. But he's even looking beyond that, saying, I know one day the Redeemer is going to come. He's going to stand on the earth. He's going to rule and reign from the earth. And though my skin will perish, okay, he's talking about physical death. I'm going to die physically. But he also, by faith, says, I'm going to get a glorified body because in my flesh, I'm going to see God. And I'm going to stand in his presence one day. And so here's his perspective. He's basically saying all these things because he's crying out by faith, but he's realizing what we have at our disposal. Jesus is our arbiter. He is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He is our friend. And he is our redeemer. He's all these things for us. And in your suffering, look for the Savior. Just cling to Jesus. Now, I will add this. God restored everything to Job. God gave him back Ten children for the ten that he lost. And God gave him double his possessions that he had also lost. And he restored his physical health as well. And I wish I could say to you that everything you've ever lost will get restored to you. And we'll all live happily ever after just like Job. But the reality is that's not the case. And here's the reason why. Because our suffering is different from Job's. God restored everything to Job because God is the one who allowed everything to be taken. When God allowed Satan to torment and test Job, God, by permission, granted that all that Job had, including his children, would be taken. So that, again, Job could serve as this incredible example to all of us who will suffer after him. So what God did, in effect, was to replace what God had allowed to be taken. When it comes to our suffering, however, this is an example, but not a pattern. This is a story not to be drawn as a continual pattern, and this is the way that God operates. In other words, God is not obligated to restore in your life what he has not taken. He didn't take your marriage. He didn't take your child. He didn't take your possessions or your business or your loved one. A fallen world did. We now suffer the ramifications of living in a sin-polluted world because of man's original rebellion against God. Now this world is full of death and disease and heartache and trials and tribulations and all kinds of sad and messy things. Now, it's the reason why Jesus even said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Because he wants us to remember that as messy as this world is, this is not heaven. That God has prepared a place for us. And he's going to come again and take us to that wonderful place. And in the meantime, he's going to give us the grace to persevere through difficulties. God has not abandoned you. God has not forsaken you. Seek a savior in your suffering. And trust God. He may, in his mercy, and I've seen God do this, he may, in his mercy, restore to you some things that were taken. And that's up to God to do. But he didn't take those things from you. A fallen world did. 
That's why even more we need to seek a Savior in our suffering because there is a Redeemer so that no matter what happens in our life, we will be able to say as Job did, I know that my Redeemer lives and He will stand upon the earth and though my skin will see decay, yet in my flesh I will see God. That is our hope. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today to Cornerstone Connection. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love to have you come join us for one of our weekend services. Our group of believers gather each week on Sundays at 8.30, 10, and 11.45, and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Come get to know us better, meet Pastor Gary, study the Bible, and spend time worshiping God for all he's done. Directions to Cornerstone Chapel can be found on our website cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, you'll learn more about our church and our vision for fulfilling God's calling in our lives. You'll additionally be able to access our archive of previous messages under the Teachings tab and subscribe to our podcast to keep up to date with each new edition of Cornerstone Connection. Did you know you can also take the biblically sound messages of Cornerstone Connection with you on the go? Just download our mobile app to your smartphone to have Pastor Gary's teachings with you whenever life offers you a pause in the day. Find a link to download the app at our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end. But there's much more to learn from the incredible faith of Job. We hope you'll join Pastor Gary again right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.